Well, we're continuing on our teaching on the Holy Spirit, and we, we're calling this Spirit, uh, God, Helper, and Friend, and the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is God, and He is Helper, and He is Friend, and uh, He can be your absolute closest friend. We don't have the time this morning to go back and uh, review. I'll touch on a few things, but I'm going to go ahead and warn you. Hop in and hold on because we've got a lot of ground we're going to cover today. It's important. I've, I've been wrestling on how to break this up, and it, it's really, it can't be broken up. This is like you've got to keep your, your cereal and your milk together. We've got to te- keep our meat and potato together. Are you all, are you all with me? We, we've got to keep this together. And... Uh, we're going to just dive in and go. Parts of this will be very, um, I got to teach some with this too, to get this together regarding the Holy Spirit. Uh, first of all, we need to know this. And, and I've just been amazed at the comments of, of people from their background, their experience and so forth that have thanked me for letting them know that the Holy Spirit is not weird and that he will not make them weird. And so I just want to say it again. The Holy Spirit is not weird. And he will not make you weird. Any discomfort that you've ever had concerning the Holy Spirit is not because of Scripture. It's because of people. And sometimes people are well-meaning. But it's the tradition they were in, the teaching that they've sat under, the experiences and what's been modeled for them that they just go and handle things certain ways because that's the way they've always handled it. And um, we need to not just live that way. We've got to know why we believe what we believe and get it into the light of Scripture because Scripture then is truth and we can see. All of us must be willing to adjust, though, that as we see the truth of Scripture rightly divided compared to our tradition or maybe something we've been taught or experienced or misconception we may have, we're going to go with Scripture. I said we're going to go with Scripture. And the Scripture is truth and truth will set you free. And, uh, and then I think God gets glorified in that and people get helped way better, way better when we do things God's way. Amen. Amen. I, I wrote this down. The Holy Spirit is not about hairdos, buns, makeup, tambourines, snakes, or goosebumps. And the list could go on. But again, any discomfort that any of us have ever had regarding the Holy Spirit, I assure you, is not because of scripture. It's because of people. I've said this in in recent weeks as well, that if you and I had never been to church, if we'd never watched Christian television, if our only exposure was reading the Old Testament and the New Testament, we would have great expectation. We We would have eager desire for the Holy Spirit to be in our lives. So let's do that. Let's kind of come back and just look in Scripture and see what it says. And today we've got, like I said, we've got a little road to go here. In John 14, verse 16 and 17, Jesus said, And I will pray the Father, I will ask the Father, and He will give you, everybody say, that's me. He will give you another helper. And that word helper is a huge word. It's helper, it's comforter, it's strengthener, intercessor, advocate, standby. It's whatever He needs to be to be able to help you, He is. And He said, I will give you another. Everybody say, another. Another Another is the Greek word alos, A-L-L-O-S. And it really means just the same, exactly alike. So Jesus is saying, in essence, I'm a comforter. I'm about to introduce you to your new comforter. And he will be just like me. He is just like me. He will do in my absence what I would do for you if I were still present here with you. He said, it's to your benefit that I go away. 
because he says, if I go away, then the Holy Spirit can come. I can send the Holy Spirit to you and then he can help you and he can help you. You ready for this? Not blasphemy at all. He can help you in a way that I can't help you. Jesus was saying. Because as long as Jesus was in the earthly body, he was a life that was full of the Spirit like nobody had been. John 3.34 said he had the Spirit without measure, which means he more than anybody. And and notice this, the most Spirit-filled man ever on the planet, and he was not weird. Children loved him. Thieves loved him. Everybody loved him. There was something about him that compelled us to be with him, to listen to him. And so... Jesus said, it's better that I go away because see, when the Holy Spirit comes, he can be with you all. If you notice during Jesus ministry, there were times where he was loving on the people, teaching the people, healing the people. And then he would go to leave to go to another city and they go, no, 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 don't leave us. You have to stay with us. He said, no, I've got to fulfill all that I'm called to do. And I've got, I've got to go. I've got to go. And so that's the benefit of the Holy Spirit is he is with us all. And he'll never leave us and he'll never forsake us. And so I'm thankful for this another comforter. Let's read on. He will give you another comforter that he may abide with you. Say it again with me. Forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. And then in another passage that is rich to look at. And we're just going to look at one verse here real quick. In John 20 verse 22 Uh, Jesus is speaking. This is post-resurrection. Actually, the disciples were standing in a room and they've got the room locked up because they're fearful. And all of a sudden, you know, they're, they're, you know, playing Monopoly, have chips and dip, and they're just kind of there. And all of a sudden, Jesus is there. And Jesus holds a dialogue with them. A number of significant things happen. And then Jesus says this to them in John 20, verse 22. And when he had said this, he breathed on them. Something experientially happened there. He breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Okay, I want you to get this. Look at me, listen to me. Jesus said, receive the Holy Spirit. I'll tell this crew. Jesus said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, let me ask you a question. It's rhetorical, but is Jesus for you? And Jesus said, what? He said, receive the Holy Spirit. Okay. The enemy of your soul, the devil, he has a strategy and that's to get people all messed up about the Holy Spirit. He does everything that he can to get you turned off to even hearing terms about the Holy Spirit. And he's done a good job at doing that. Jesus is for you. The devil's against you. And Jesus is saying, receive the Holy Spirit. And I think the devil is saying, no, 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 don't. Turn the channel and look at this. You know, or what about them? If you receive the Holy Spirit, you're going to start being like that. And all the, the things that we would fear or we're not sure of or whatever else. And I want you to know that you don't have to be afraid of the Holy Spirit. He's just like Jesus. And he will do in Jesus' absence exactly what Jesus would do if he were present with you, went to work with you, went home with you, worked on that problem with you, walked through that situation with you. The Holy Spirit is Jesus to you. He's the Spirit of Christ. He's He's the third person of the Trinity. He's the, he's the agent of power and presence and help here in our lives today. And I just want you to get this. Jesus said, receive the Holy Spirit. Amen. Receive the Holy Spirit. Now, the word receive has the idea of accept. And there's a tone to it even that it's please accept this. 
So Jesus is giving a gift to us and he's saying, please accept this gift, the Holy Spirit. Now, in Acts uh, chapter 18, and because of time here, I don't know that I'll, I'll go ahead and I'll read all of this passage. I have a longer passage later I may have you do as an assignment. But uh, Acts 18, and we'll start reading in a moment here. This is the Apostle Paul. He's in his third missionary journey. We're probably 30, 40 years after the resurrection, Pentecost, and so forth. Churches are being planted. Y'all with me? This is exciting to me. The, the gospel is spreading. People are becoming Christians. This has never happened before. This is an inbreaking of the kingdom of God, and it's, it's spreading. And so now, 30, 40 years later, Paul, an apostle, a sent one, establishing things for the kingdom of God. Churches are being planted. He's, he's going about, and, and he's in, in this third missionary journey, largely in present-day Turkey. And so let's pick up here in, in uh, Acts 18, verse 23. It says, And after he'd spent some time there, he departed and went over the region of Galatia and Phry- uh, Phrygia in order, strengthening all the disciples. So there's these new believers here. Verse 24, Now a certain Jew named Apollos, who became very uh, influential and important, born at Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the Scripture, came to Ephesus. I want you to notice that. Came to Ephesus. This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent or enthusiastic in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things of the Lord, though he knew only the baptism of John. So let me just stop there for a moment. He taught accurately, but he didn't teach completely, because there are some things he didn't know yet. Verse 26, so he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Aquila and Priscilla heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. Chapter 19, verse 1, and it happened while Apollos was at Corinth. So where was he before? He was in Ephesus. Now he's in Corinth. He was in Ocala. Now he's in Jacksonville. Okay, I had to get you back in. And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth, uh, the, while Apollos was with at Corinth, that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ocala. No, to Ephesus. And finding some disciples, he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Now, let me just stop, bookmark real quick. You do receive the Holy Spirit when you believe. Okay, when you believe, he takes up residence in you. Okay, so let's get that, that part settled. You do. But he's talking about something additional here. He said, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. Now, believe it or not, over the last few weeks, I've had some people uh, during the week at the door after service and so forth to speak to me and even say, you know, I didn't know anything about the Holy Spirit. So while we have some that would come from their tradition, their background is just like, you know, crazy and some very sound. And then some, it's like, I didn't know anything at all about the Holy Spirit. Some people have come from churches where they talked about the Holy Spirit, sang about the Holy Spirit, did some recitations regarding the Holy Spirit, but there was no teaching about the Holy Spirit and no expectation that He would have anything to do in your life. And so how many of you know that the devil can even get involved in religion? Okay, to block us from the real deal. Amen. So, what's happening here, Apollos, 
He was teaching accurately. Now, this may be our ex- uh, many of our experiences as well. He's teaching accurately, but he's not teaching completely. Because he didn't even know anything beyond the baptism of John's baptism. And he didn't have, they didn't have Bible and bookstores back then. Okay? And the, the canon of Scripture, the assembly of what we accept as God's anointed authoritative word was not complete at that point yet. And so letters are being written by the apostles and the leaders and they, they have the scrolls of Old Testament. They're putting this together. The Holy Spirit is actively involved in getting his information out in the right way. But at this point, he didn't know. And bless his heart. I love this about Apollos. Priscilla and Aquila pull him aside and said, we want to explain this to you a little more accurately. Instead of being resistant and say, hey, listen, I got a good reputation here. People know I'm a good teacher, blah, 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 blah. He, they allow, he allowed them to instruct him more accurately to go a little bit further in this. This points out that in Ephesus, where he had been teaching, he only took them so far. And that may be your experience, that maybe teaching you've sat under before only took you so far. It was accurate. It was right. I'm not saying that it's wrong, but it just only took you so far. So we want to go further today and see what the, Holy, what the Scripture has to say regarding the Holy Spirit. Now... We're going to venture into something this morning. In Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1 and 2, it talks about some of the foundation or elementary doctrines of Christianity. And one of them that it lists is the doctrine. You ready for this? The doctrine of baptisms. The doctrine of baptisms. And let me just write this up here. Baptisms. Everybody say ums. So it's plural. And today we're going to look at three baptisms, okay? So like I said earlier, hop in and hold on, because here we go. I believe that our Christian journey is not just about there, I made it to church and I got a Bible with my name on it. I think there's more in our Christian journey. And there's some things that are markers in our Christian journey that are very powerful, very significant, very needful in our lives. And we want to look at these. The first baptism is baptism into the body of Christ. And very simply, this is when you got saved. This is when you got born again. This is when you believed. This is when you received salvation. You became a convert. When you, were, when you said, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God, do you remember that day? Do you remember the time that you opened up the door of your heart? And if you, didn't, you haven't done that yet, we'll, we'll give opportunity for that later, later in the service. But I remember the day. I was in sixth grade. My family had started going to a little Southern Baptist church. The pastor asked to meet with my brother and I. My, my mom dropped us off at his house. He took us through a little yellow book called, Have You Heard of the Four Spiritual Laws? We went through that little book, and then he looked at us, and he said, Do you have any questions? And we said, No. He said, Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he went to a cross, that he died for you on the third day, he rose again from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and that you can have eternal life because of him? And I'm in my sixth grade mind because I was quite brilliant, quite advanced at that point. My sixth grade mind, there was no question at all. And my brother and I knelt by that couch and he led us in a prayer and I received Jesus. And let me tell you what happened in that moment. I was baptized into Christ. Can I don't, don't talk about water yet. We're not even there yet. I was baptized into Christ. At that point, I was connected. And this is the point. This is the big point. This is, this is the main thing. Connected to the Father God. 
That's the bottom line for everything is that we get reconnected with our Father God. And I'm going to heaven. And so that happened when? When I believed. When I believed. And that's what this is about. It's when you believe. Solo fide. Faith alone. It's not works. It's not anything else. And not anything other than there comes a point in your life where you go, yes, I believe. And you're baptized into the body of Christ. Some scripture real quick. 1 Corinthians twelve thirteen. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Galatians three twenty six and 27. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. It's when you put on Christ. When salvation became yours and you're in him and he's in you. That is the first baptism. Amen. Is everybody with me? The second baptism then is the baptism of water. Just a couple of weeks ago on a Wednesday night, we had a a baptism service. We baptized 140 people, passed through the waters there. It was one of the most surreal, energetic, precious nights, one of the greatest, one of my greatest memories in the history of this, of this church, honestly, just a precious, powerful, powerful time. And that's baptism of the water. And this is, you know, this baptism is you're a convert. This baptism is I'm becoming a disciple. I'm real deal. I'm following Jesus, you know, with, with my life. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, Jesus said, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Now, baptism means, it means to submerge, to plunge, to immerse. So we believe, the Greek word is baptizo, and it actually has the idea of, of, of burial. It's to bury over, to completely cover over. And so this is not just water in the glass. This is the glass of water in the pool. Okay? It's it's totally in this. This is why we don't hear, we don't sprinkle. Now, if you're in the front few rows, you may get sprayed, but we we don't sprinkle. Okay? And it's identifying with the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so this is by water. But understand this, please. This is separate from salvation. There's some that teach that you cannot go to heaven unless you've been baptized in water. And that is not true. And some people take one verse out of context and say, no, you've got to be baptized with water. Here's the problem we have with that. That now makes it it works on your part for you to go to heaven. It makes it something that works. and, and, And salvation is through faith alone. For by grace are you saved through faith Not of yourself is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Think of the thief on the cross. Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. As soon as we get off this cross, we're going down to this little river I know about. No, there was no opportunity for that. When I was in 10th grade, my grandpa, Grandpa Speedy is my my mom's dad. Uh, He'd retired up, up north, come down and opened up a gas station. In Leesburg, where I was growing up, that was the coolest place on earth. And I, I would hang out there and play behind there and play, you know, and hang out and just do stuff. It was just an awesome place. And my grandpa, he was just awesome. Um, he was like my hero. When I was four years old, he started giving me whiskey and cigars. I mean, he was... It's true. Grandpa was awesome. He mostly did that to bother my mom, but, but anyway, 
My grandpa, though, was pretty rough. And grandpa did not live the real straight and narrow road. He was a good man, a nice man. People liked him, but um, didn't live that good a life. When I was in 10th grade, he officially retired. He had a motor home. He had a boat. He was ready to travel. He was ready to fish. He was, he was all set. I was so happy for him. Right after he retired, he suddenly got very sick. He lived two more weeks and died. Once he got sick and they realized the seriousness of it, a Church of God preacher came, visited my grandpa, and led him to Jesus. Um, Grandpa laid on a a couch in their living room the last two weeks of his life. And I watched this man who took on a new nature, become a new creature, weep every day, read scripture every day. And he was mean to my grandma all those years. He always would be raider and was bossy and so forth. And those last two weeks, every day I heard him say, to my grandma, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I didn't realize what I had in you. Please forgive me. I love you. If I had this to do all over again. There was a new nature there. Grandpa never got the opportunity to be baptized in water. But I promise you, you'll meet Hugh McKee Speedy in heaven. I promise you that he'll be there. And so it's not a works thing. I encourage everybody, once you believe on Jesus, make your way through the waters of baptism and make that statement. Because listen to me, water baptism doesn't save you. It declares that you are saved. Water baptism doesn't save you. It declares you are saved. One pastor put it this way. Water baptism is the wedding band of Christianity. That shows it's a symbol of that. Let me move quickly. Are you with me? The third baptism... Is baptism with the Holy Spirit. Baptism with the Holy Spirit. Everybody say the Holy Spirit. Now, clarification for you. Please hang tight with me here. Clarification for you. To get to heaven, I just need this. There's some people that teach, no, you got to have that. No, it's recommended. It's the scriptural order. It's part of your Christian journey. Believe and be baptized. I think that's the order to go. But also, baptism with the Holy Spirit. Listen to me. There's some that, well, unless you do this just like we do, you're not going to heaven. Don't listen to that. Because here's the reality. Regarding eternity, I'm talking about your eternity. I'm talking about heaven. I'm talking about you going to heaven. The only one that matters concerning that is this one. Listen and look closely. This one, the baptism with the Holy Spirit. What, why do we need that? We need it for here. And I'll tell you why we need it for here. So we can have special services where we end up sweaty. Now, let me tell you why we need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Listen to me. And and you already know this answer. Because life is tough. Because life is tough. And he's a helper. And he's a comforter. And he's a strengthener. And I don't just need a little bit of him. I need him to fill me and to be on my life. And you do too. Not only is life tough, if you take this whole thing seriously, our mission is tough. We're not just supposed to get in holy huddles. Meet you at the Christian cafe. 
with our secret language and secret hairdos and everything else. We're here to be salt. We're here to be light. And he said, after the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon you, it's so that you can be witnesses. And I would say we need more of the power of the Holy Spirit on us because we're not being the witnesses that we really need to be. You and I are connected to people by the dozens, by the hundreds that are rushing their way to hell. They're dragging through life and they don't know what would help them. And you have the answer and I have the answer. That's why we need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This is not about going to heaven. It's about somebody else going to heaven. We need the Holy Spirit. So don't, don't confuse these. Number one, this. Number two, this doesn't save me, but it's a declaration that I am saved, that I'm following Jesus. And then Jesus said, and you need the Holy Spirit in your life. Matter of fact, before he left here, he, he said this, don't go anywhere till the Holy Spirit comes. Really, we don't need any false starts. Don't even take out of here until you have the Holy Spirit fully in you and on you. Now, if you haven't had the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it doesn't make you a second-class citizen or anything. But it's something that you need to in your journey to certainly seek out. The order of this, number one, is always this. This order is interchangeable. I said this order is interchangeable. In Acts chapter 10, there were Gentiles who believed and then received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and then got water baptized. But the main thing is none of this will even happen or make sense unless this is first. I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Amen? Now, I've got a number of verses and I don't have time to go through them all. Um, how many of you know what the echo is from, from our church? Does anybody know what the echo is? You can subscribe to this free, completely, and you'll get it by email, or you can get it off of our website, and it's my sermon notes, and it will have the scriptures and so forth. And so there's some scriptures in case you haven't signed up for that. You can do that. It comes to you like within a day of, of a message. But let me give you some scriptures. Mark 1, 8, Acts 5, or excuse me, Acts 8, 5 through 17. And then let me go ahead and read to you 1 John 5, verse 7 and 8. Listen to this and follow carefully. For there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. Verse 8, and there are three. Everybody say three. There are three that bear witness on earth. Let me tell you something. These bear witness on earth. There are three that bear witness on earth. The Spirit, the water, and the blood, and these three agree as one. Now, for a moment, let's go back and look in the Old Testament at the tabernacle. The tabernacle was uh, precise. Everything was precise. God gave them down to the milla-somethings that just had to be precise. The color of this, what this was made of, everything, and how it was all set. And in the back, they had the Ark of the Covenant. And this had the presence of God in the Old Testament. And you had outer court, inner court, and holy of holies. And there are stations that you went through on your way in, and there was a veil that you had to go through here. And right at the front was the brazen or the bronze altar. And this is where sacrifices were made. Follow, follow this now. Because the Old Testament is foreshadowing. It's giving types and shadows. It's giving us a preview of some things to come. And right here is the brazen or the bronze altar. And this is where there was blood sacrifice. This is where there was sacrifice. Salvation. 
Christ, first baptism. You with me? Then there was what was called a laver. And the laver was actually a huge metal bowl. It was pounded out of metal. And it was produced in such a way that it actually was like a mirror. You could kind of see yourself in it. And it held water. And the priest, as he entered, would go in and he was to cleanse himself in the water in the laver. Second baptism. And then once you go through the veil into the Holy of Holies here, there was the lampstand or the candlestick that was fed by pure olive oil. And oil is always a symbol of the Holy Spirit. And what this does, this journey into more of God, are you following me? This journey into more of God is shown to us even in the Old Testament tabernacle that there's salvation that there's the water, that there's the Holy Spirit, and all of this is part of our journey. That's the Old Testament tabernacle. Let's speed ahead to right here today. Tell me, where is the New Testament tabernacle? It's you. It's you. It's you, and all of these need to be a part of your life, that these three baptisms are a part of your journey. Now, let me go over just a couple of things here. These are some questions we get sometimes. Why do I need this baptism with the Spirit? I've always, already answered it, but I want to answer it again. Because life is tough. I say because life is tough. And if you take it serious, this mission is tough. And we need the super on our natural. We need supernatural in this life. And we need to be better witnesses. Another question is, why is this separate? Why is this baptism of the Holy Spirit separate? And I'll tell you why. Because nothing is attached to salvation except faith in Jesus alone. And again, this has nothing to do with eternity. This has to do with while we're here on earth. That's why we need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So we have these three baptisms. Baptism into Christ. How does that happen? I believe. I believe. You do it by faith. I believe. It's invisible to the eyes of others, although the fruit will soon show up. Secondly, and not necessarily second in the order, and we already talked about that, is water baptism. That's visible for all to see. It doesn't save you, but it's a declaration, I am saved and I am following Jesus. And y'all get ready for the next baptism service. We have water baptism because if you haven't been baptized, I want to encourage you to do that. And then thirdly is the baptism with the Holy Spirit. And we need that. And again, that's not seen, but the wind blows where it wills, but you can see where the wind is blowing. You can't see the wind, but you can see where the wind is blowing. And that also is, is reference to the Holy Spirit. So I just want to do this, and I'm going to wrap this up this morning. Jesus, who is for you, look at me. Jesus, who is for you, said, receive the Holy Spirit. Please accept the Holy Spirit. And don't make it what it's not. It doesn't have to be a dog and pony show. It doesn't have to be all this and all that. Don't make it what it's not. Just receive the Holy Spirit in your life. Well, for that to happen, let me back up. And the devil who's against you, he's saying, no, don't, no, don't, no, don't. And right now, it's kind of like, how many of you watched the Flintstones before? And you got a good guy and the bad guy on the shoulder. Do it. No, don't. You know, and it's going back and forth. I'm just helping you to sort it out today. Jesus is saying, receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. The devil who hates your guts and is against you in every way that he's going, no, no, don't, 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 don't. Jesus is saying, receive the Holy Spirit, and He's for you. A couple of things real quick. First of all, let's get the barriers out of the way. Let's get the stuff that's blocking our gate, so to speak, out of the way. Let's get the weeds, the rocks, the debris of teaching, of traditions, of experiences, of misconceptions. Let's get those out of the way so that we can get the gate open. And the second thing would be this. You ready for this? It's going to blow your mind. Ready? Just ask. Just ask. Let me read you a passage in Luke 11, verse 11 through 13. 
It says, if a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then being evil know how to give good gifts. Everybody say good gifts. Give good gifts to your children. How much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who what? No, 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 no. To those who complete a 16-week course. He'll give it to who? To those who ask. And let me tell you how you ask. You ask in faith. The same same way that you receive Jesus, you receive the Holy Spirit. Don't make it what it's not. Years and years and years ago, early in my time of ministry as a youth pastor in a church in another state, I won't even won't even tell you where. I don't I don't want to make anybody in a bad light or anything. And we had an evangelist in, and they're honestly. I think my opinion scripturally, we're going about things in a wrong way concerning this. And they're trying to get people filled with the Holy Spirit. And they felt that you had to tarry, you had to wait. Because the scripture said, go and tarry in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit has come. Well, guess what? He's already come. And if you're going to be completely scriptural, then you'd have to go to Jerusalem too, you know. And so something, we've got to wait. And what are they waiting for? What are they waiting for? They're waiting for some kind of feeling. They're waiting for something to happen. And you don't have to do that. And I'm waiting because I'm supposed to lock up the building that night. And the evangelist is there and there's one guy left. Everybody else has either felt something, faked something or something, and then they're gone. And there's one guy left and he's just laboring and the evangelist, he's getting tired. And and he said, I get some water. And I got him a cup of water and he drank the water and he's standing there. And the guy's still waiting. And then finally, the evangelist, you know, he just, he just kind of took the cup of water, held on the, the cup, and he just kind of did like that. And water went up and water came down, just a few drops, and it landed on this guy. And the guy perked up and he said, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, does it kind of feel like, like water? And the evangelist said, good enough. Look at me. Don't make this what this is not. And just like any relationship, things are going to grow. Things are going to come. But the initial part of this is get the gate open. And in simple faith, receive the Holy Spirit. And just ask Him to come into your life. And He will come in. The devil who's against you is saying, no, no, don't do this. But Jesus who is for you is saying to you today, I have a promise. I have a gift from the Father. Receive the Holy Spirit. Did you get anything at all out of this today? Thank you, Lord.